God. I mean, we should expect to encounter God in church. But, you know, with a particular Sunday may just be more significant or special because God was doing something in your life. And uh, those are the times that, are, that leave a memory for us that are really important to me, where we say, okay, this is God. He knows me. He knows my story. He knows where I'm at. And he's involved in my life. And we feel loved. We feel like we've connected with God. Uh, for many of you, you've uh, had an experience. We've gone away to a conference uh, like I have. And, uh, you know, at the conference, you really feel like you connect with God. You, you're either connecting through the worship because it's really, you know, high caliber. It's a different style or uh, it's your favorite band or I don't know what. But, you know, we connect during worship or just because it's, you know, hundreds or thousands of people present and it's just a big group feel, which is just awesome. Uh, or the preaching is particularly uh, fantastic. Uh, or, you know, you're connecting with God because you got prayed for afterwards and it was just powerful. Uh, however, uh, invariably, you come home from the conference and uh, you hit life as usual and uh, it's sort of a rude awakening. Uh, and you say, man, I, I was just so into it at the conference, I was enjoying God, uh, or maybe even Sunday uh, church experience. You come to church, uh, you're enjoying uh, the church experience, you're connecting through worship, you're feeling like God is encouraging you, you, you feel like you have some hope, and, and you know, you'll leave here, and as soon as you leave, uh, the reality of life uh, hits you. Uh, you're either having an argument with your spouse, or you know, maybe you make it till Monday, you walk into your your job, and it's just like, you know, it feels like Sunday was a long way away. And there's a disconnect between what you experience on a Monday and the hope and the excitement and the sort of, you know, uh, peace that you were experiencing uh, at church or with God. And so we, we, love, we love it when we can experience God, you know, in this close personal way. But the interesting thing is, I think God loves to experience us uh, personally. Uh, it delights God as much as it delights us. And today, I, I want to be looking at uh, this section um, out of uh, Exodus. So if you've got a Bible, make your way open, over to Exodus 32, uh, verse uh, 30. And uh, I want to look at uh, this section of how God uh, delights in us, and he delights to have companionship uh, with us. So what I would love you to uh, get out of my preaching today uh, is to actually encounter and experience God. I mean, not just for me to be talking about God, but at a different level where you actually encounter God, where you experience God's presence and his comfort. Now, clearly, I can't like make that happen. Uh, but we can ask the Spirit of God to be here so that God can make it happen. So uh, let me just pray before we uh, get going. Uh, Father, we just know that you love us. Uh, we know that you've given us your Son, Jesus. And uh, not only that, you've uh, given us the Holy Spirit to be here with us, to encourage us, to dwell with us. And so we just invite your Holy Spirit to be here today, to move. And Lord, I, I just ask that you would use my words uh, as I preach from your word, that you would touch each person, that there would be a connection. 
So, Lord, I just lift you up. I ask for your spirit to move. Transform us. Give us hope. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, let me just get you up to speed with uh, what's happening uh, before we get to Exodus 32, uh, because Moses has just had a whole bunch of incredible uh, experiences, encounters uh, with God. Uh, Moses knows what it's like to be in the presence of God, to experience uh, God's companionship. Uh, so, you know, just uh, think about Moses' life at this point as we jump in. In verse in chapter 32, Moses has just been on the mountaintop, having a, a literal mountaintop experience with the Almighty God. God has just given him the Ten Commandments. Uh, God has just spoken to the whole Jewish community audibly. Uh, there was lightning and, and thunder, and you know the mountain is shaking, and and God's uh, presence has come up upon the mountain. I mean, this is a uh, incredibly vivid and powerful experience with God. Uh, and Moses has experienced God in the burning bush. And Moses has experienced uh, God's power through, uh, you know, talking to Pharaoh. And God has uh, demonstrated his power uh, to Moses by opening up the Red Sea and getting them to this place. So Moses is familiar with both God's power, but also God's presence. And so for Moses, uh, meeting with God, uh, you know, on this mountain must have been one of the highlights of Moses' life. And, uh, and Moses must be like all just, you know, uh, excited. Uh, he's met with God. God has uh, given him a plan. He's, he's spoken very clearly to Moses. And uh, that doesn't live very long because as Moses is coming down the mountain, uh, he has this sort of horrendous uh, experience of realizing what everybody's up to. And what they're up to is they're busy uh, worshipping a golden calf that Aaron has, has formed and created. So the very thing that God has said, look, don't do, uh, these people are doing. And so Moses goes from, you know, the heights of being in the presence with God, just coming out of a high, to hitting really just an absolute low. And it is a difficult, difficult uh, transition. And so... Uh, uh, let me just uh, read this uh, to you. Uh, this is Exodus chapter 32, verse 30. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a terrible sin, but I will go back up uh, to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin. You know, so Moses comes down. He, he, he doesn't mince any words. I mean, he... He tells the people just the way it is. Uh, he says, look, you've sinned. You've messed up. This is not good. Uh, but at the same uh, breath, Moses is saying, but I'm going to go up again and ask God for, you know, for forgiveness for you. So Moses returns to God and he says, oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for themselves. But now if you will only forgive their sin." You see, uh, Moses realized the full weight of what was happening. He realized, like, okay, these people have essentially pushed God away. By sinning, they've, they've forced God to withdraw from their lives. And uh, Moses is saying, uh, you know, God, I need to uh, 
try and intercede for these people. Now, Moses is a, a phenomenal leader in the church. And, and uh, we're going to see in this next verse one of the most incredible traits that uh, Moses has picked up. Uh, Moses does this. He says to God, he says, God, in the middle of verse 32, uh, erase my name from the record you have written if you won't forgive these people. You know, so basically, basically Moses is saying, look, they've messed up. And uh, God, I know that you keep like a register, a, a book of life, uh, and uh, you know you can take my name out. If, but please, will you forgive these people? You know, there's there's something incredible when a pastor or a leader is committed to your well-being. You know, going before God and saying, "Look, I know this person is messed up. You know, I know that there's been conflict. I know there's been heartache." But God, I'm praying. I'm, I, you know, I want to see things right. I want to see things restored. And it's not to minimize uh, the problem. I mean, you know, Moses is not sugarcoating anything. He's, he's spoken to the people and said, look, you've messed up. And he's speaking to God and he's saying, you know, offer forgiveness. And I tell you, it's one of the traits that all of us can learn. You know, this ability where uh, we would just so love each other, so love each other in the church that, uh, we put their well-being ahead of our own. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a supernatural phenomenon if you can get to that place because we're all selfish people. We, we think of ourselves. And here is Moses just saying, you can just take my name out of the book of life. You know, we've had this, this theme uh, permeates through, through Scripture. One is that God has a record of who uh, is in the book of life, who's going to be with him in heaven, and who's not. And, and Moses is saying, look, I know my name is written in there. You take it out. I mean, that's a, a, an incredible uh, thought that uh, Moses would, would do that. And, of course, it's also a foreshadowing of Christ, you know, where Christ, uh, God's Son, in, in perfection, is saying, look, uh, I know that humans mess up, but Jesus is saying, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a way where... You know, I'll take care of this sin. I, I want people to be right with God. I want people to experience the presence of God. I want people to experience the blessings of God. I want people to experience the fullness of God. And Jesus knew that he would have to be like a, you know, like what Moses had started, uh, but in a fuller form, dying on the cross for us. So we, we see this uh, trait of, of Moses representing uh, Jesus and uh, just desiring uh, you know, to intercede. So, you know, when we want to experience the presence of God, uh, part of it is this idea to intercede and to say, God, you know, I am not a perfect person and I hang out with people that aren't perfect, but God, will you forgive me? Will you forgive us? This, this idea of saying, I want more of God, I want to experience His presence, but we just live a way that is not always pleasing to the Lord most of the time. Uh, help me. And it's a good place to start where we say, God, you know, you just, you just help me. Now, as the story uh, proceeds, uh, God says to, to Moses in verse 34, now, now go, lead the people to the place I told you about. Look, my angel will lead the way before you. And then again in verse 33 too, it says, I will send an angel before you to drive out the, the Canaanites. And then God reiterates to Moses, he says, look, I want you to go to the promised land, 
and I'm going to give an angel that's going to go before you. Now, what essentially God is saying to Moses is this. Look, I'm going to bless you and the people. You will get to the promised land, and uh, you will be able to, you know, have your own piece of land. You'll have your own house. You can raise your own kids. You're going to do well. Uh, you're going to be prosperous, and it's going to happen because I've sent an angel to go before you. And for most of us, we would say that's just fantastic. I mean, what a great guarantee. I mean, we're going to be wealthy. We're going to have our own place. We're going to have our own house. We're going to have peace. It's going to be awesome. But Moses is like, no, 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 no. That's good, but it's not awesome because there's something missing. And for most of us, we would say, I wouldn't even know what would be missing. You know, if, if God will just bless me, that's all, I could, that's all I could think of. But Moses knows that there's something more uh, important than having an angel just pave the way for you, and you know God's going to have His plan work no matter what, and God's going to make it happen. But Moses is onto something where he's saying, "God, look, I need you. I, I don't need an angel. Angel's great, but I, I, I need you. I need your presence. God, if, if you know, if you don't go with me, I don't want to go. I just like God. I desperately, desperately need you. And I, I tell you, that's a a, a, a mind-bending uh, thought." And if you haven't experienced the presence of God, if you haven't had these personal moments with God, this is just a foreign concept. But if you have experienced the personalness of God, if you've experienced God's love for you, God intervening for you, God showing you His love and His way and He's with you, I mean, there's a sense when God is with you, you don't really care what difficulties you're going through because God's with you. There's a, there's a confidence, there's an assurance, there's a hope that's like beyond everything. I mean, you can be dealing with you know, sickness or no money or, you know, death around you. But if God is with you, there's a sense of, okay, this is going to work out. I mean, I'll overcome, I'll get through. And Moses knows this. Uh, so we pick this up, the story where, you know, God says to Moses, uh, okay, uh, you know, I, I communicate to you. And in verse 3 it says, uh, says this, go up to the land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. I mean, there's something when, you know, we get in touch with God's holiness, it's like God can't deal with our casual attitude of rebellion and, you know, uh, the ways which just offend God. God says, look, when you draw real close to me, those things become an issue. And, uh, you know, God's saying, but hey, I've got a plan. Go ahead. You're going to succeed. You know, I won't travel with you because you stop. And Moses is like, like, no, no. And, you know, the people had experienced the presence of God over and over again. I mean, we see down here in, in, verse, uh, in verse 9 or verse 8 where Moses would meet with God at the tent of meetings. You know, this is like before the tabernacle. There's like this tent that Moses would like pitch just outside of the camp in this situation. And uh, when he'd go in there, there'd be a visible demonstration of the presence of God. Uh, it, it says in verse 9, when Moses went into the tent, a pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance. You know, so God would like communicate to Moses, but everybody else could see it. I mean, they knew that 
God was at work and God's presence was dwelling in this mysterious cloud. I mean, you know, you've got a people which are familiar with God's power, with God's presence, and yet you've got a people which are familiar with continually trying to do their own thing and ignoring God's thing. And you've got a person in Moses who's continually trying to encourage the people to do the right thing and to pursue God because he knows that this would be the best possible life for them that they could have. And so uh, it's a good thing for us to say, God, uh, you know, I desire your presence. Uh, it's a good thing for us to say, God, there's more. You know, uh, we've never got to the place where we've experienced all there is to experience about God. And if you're filling in the blanks, uh, you know, I want to encourage you uh, to just realize that there's more. No matter what you've experienced of God, there's more to experience of God. Uh, I mean, just think about what Moses had experienced with God. I mean, really? The burning bush? He's up on, you know, the mountain with God, with all this, and he's still saying, God, I want more. Uh, look what he says here. This is really an incredible uh, part of Scripture. In fact, this is one of my most favorite parts of the Bible because when we get this, we, we, we get like, you know, the meat of who God is and, and what this life is all about as, as believers, as followers of, of, of Him. Uh, so uh, just reading back again, I guess, from verse 12. One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been promising me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. In other words, hey, the angels, that doesn't cut it. You know, who? God, you know, like you. You know, no angels, you. Send you. And so he says, talking to God, uh, uh, but you haven't told me who will send with me. You have told me. I know you by name. Uh, and you've told me that I will look favorably upon you. If it is true that you look favorably upon me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. Really? I mean, after all Moses' experience, he's still able to say to God, I want to know your ways. I want to know you more fully. There's got to be more to my ability to understand you. And the answer is, absolutely there is. Now, I can assure you, if Moses had all these experiences with God, we've got a long way to go. I mean, there's like, you know, we haven't like arrived. There's no ways that we've like experienced church in its fullest. There's no ways that we've experienced God in, its, in his fullest. There's just like so much more. I mean, one of the, the cries, one of the, the pains that we should be bearing is to say, God, will you show up at church today, this Sunday? You know, like, will your presence be there? You know, can you imagine how powerful it would be if collectively, all of us as a church, you know, before we came to church in the morning, we were just praying, God, would your presence just be there? God, would you just show up at church today? I mean, it would be awesome. Awesome. I mean, typically, we don't pray at all. I mean, we just show up and, God, I'm, so, I'm just, you know, six cups of coffee and just trying to focus for a while, you know, if you got anything for me today. Or, you know, we like, you know, huge need. God, I need help. You know, I smash my finger, you know, whatever, you know, heal me, help me, you know. But, but can we get past and say, God, I need, I need you. Can we, like, delight in you? Just like, can we experience you? Uh, look, those of us that have experienced this power of God know that all sorts of crazy things happen. I mean, God heals us. God talks to us. God, you know, speaks personally, prophetically to us. I mean, it's exciting. 
Uh, but there's a sense when God's presence is here, we all know it. it I don't have to like describe it. We experience it. It's, it's an awesome thing. And so what Moses is saying, there's got to be more. And there is more. There is more. And in, in, uh, in verse uh, 14, uh, we read on from what Moses is saying. And uh, he says this. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses. And I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Friends, that same truth can be for our experience. We, we too can experience God saying, I will be with you. And when we experience that, the, the reality is we feel like everything's going to be okay. Uh, you know, my car might be falling apart. Uh, you know, I might be battling with my rent payment. But it's going to be okay. God is with me. Somehow, this is going to work out. Uh, when we experience, experience the presence of God, when we experience uh, the fullness of God, there is such comfort. Uh, it's not only comfort. There's excitement. There's like an anticipation of like this life is going to be awesome. Like something's going to happen. Good things are going to happen. And we see good things happening in the presence of God. When the presence of God is around and present, good things happen all the time. God just does good things. Uh, you know, we have a, a mission statement. And uh, uh, Kevin, you can put that up for me here. You know, I've designed this around a, a bunch of scriptures. I've called them all great. The Great Com Commission, the Great Commandment, Great Compassion, Great Companionship. Uh, and I put the Great Commission up first because that's the one we most identify with. But really, uh, these are in reverse order. To me, the most important uh, 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 vision statement, part of our vision statement, is having great companionship with God. Because once we've got a connection with God, once we've experienced His presence, once we've uh, connected with how God loves us, the rest of the things come naturally. But if you haven't experienced the presence of God, if you're not connected with God through companionship, then the rest of the things are just like a burden. You know, you feel guilty, like I should be, I should be, and I'm not. And, you know, I know I should do the Great Commission, but I, I don't want to go to Spain or to Dominican Republic, and I, I just don't want to do it. It's expensive, and it's hard, and it's hard and it's expensive and you just don't want to do it and you feel guilty. And I know I should love my neighbor, but really, you know, it's a pain and my neighbor's a pain and I know I should be good, but I don't feel good. I mean, but if you've connected with God, when, you, you, when you're feeling God's love, I mean, you can't stop yourself. Uh, you're just like, this is fun. I, I want to go on a mission trip. I, I want to love my neighbor. I want to be good news. I want to help out. You just like have an energy and you have a desire that you want to do cool things. So uh, that's the way it is. And, you know, I don't know, it's, uh, the second, uh, second to last idea is great, com uh, great com well, the bottom one is my eyes can't see that far. Great companionship is number one, and great compassion second to, to last. And, uh, again, I, I, you know, I think these are uh, important. And if you've been at church for the last few weeks, uh, here's the way it'll cut. For those of you that are experiencing you know, this relationship with God and God's compassion and God's companionship, uh, you just would, wouldn't even notice that, like, almost every week we're just hitting you up for money. I mean, just like again and again. It's like just a, an ongoing thing, you know, like today I think we're detailing cars. Uh, 
just hitting you up for cash. Yesterday we were selling you old clothes. We were hitting you up for cash. Uh, the week before that we were serving you great food. We were hitting you up you for cash. Now look, you know, if, if you haven't experienced God's, like, connection, you just feel like you're being hit up for cash. But on the other hand, if you've experienced God's, like, love and com- connection, you say, I don't mind paying 20 bucks to get my car cleaned well, inside, which you haven't done for, like, two years. You know, it's like it's a small price to pay, uh, you know. And last week, it's like, man, I, I don't mind eating the best-made curry in the world, you know. I, I'm glad I could be very Christian-like and jump in front of the line and get my portion before you guys got there. It was really awesome because I knew Maduri was making it, and I was like, you didn't notice. I was like, out of here. Didn't even wait in the back of the line. I just, yeah, I didn't. I really didn't mind paying for, you know. And, and I got even, like, more pain or good news for you, I don't, depending where you're at. You know, one of the things we do each year at this time is the turkey baskets. We Last year, I, I don't know how many we did, uh, I think it was something like 70 baskets. Uh, and so, as you know, if you've been in this church for a while, because we do it every year, we find uh, people in our community that are in need. Uh, and we give them a basket. Uh, we buy the basket, we buy the turkey, we buy all the contents. No, no, we don't. You do. Uh, and then we give them away completely free uh, to whoever needs them. And so, uh, again, today, I, I just like want to hit you up for money. You know, it's like uh, I just do it like shamelessly every week. It's just, uh, And so, you know, I would just uh, encourage you, you know, if you would consider yourself poor, uh, to just give $25 uh, because there's somebody else that's probably worse off than you. That, you know, I- we're giving these baskets to people that are, are really battling. And, uh, you know, if you can't do that, uh, that's okay. But for many of you, I would just encourage you, you know, give like $50. Whether you give cash or whether you go buy the contents for the, you know, for the turkey basket, speak to Liz afterwards, speak to Mary Ellen. And not only that, uh, we deliver this the week before Thanksgiving, and we need a whole bunch of you that would love to go and actually hand-deliver the, the baskets to the people that we're going to have you know, deliveries to. And you can pray for them, or you can just give them the basket, but we need you. So heads up, Mary Ellen, Liz, you can speak to them, find them in the back. Uh, you know, We're not passing a basket out here and making you feel guilty if you don't put money in it. You find your own way to you know, contribute, put something in there, deliver the baskets, buy the food, give cash, whatever works. Just get involved. Be, you know, great uh, companionship. All right, uh, let me just uh, wrap this up uh, quickly uh, with a a couple of significant thoughts. Uh, It's okay to ask God for his presence. It's okay to ask. That's what Moses did, and he says it's okay to ask. Uh, and we look at it in verse, uh, chapter 33, verse 18. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. It's okay to ask for more of God. It's okay to ask for the presence of God. But I need to jump to the New Testament. Because it's in Jesus that we see the fullness of the presence of God. So the glory is revealed in Jesus, if you're filling in your blank. Uh, John 1.14, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's 
one and only Son. You know, we, God the Father is mysterious. We can't see what He looks like. Uh, we, we battle to relate to Him. But Jesus, we can get an image of what He looks like. And uh, God is not just dealing in the past tense. It's not like, you know, okay, then when Moses was around or then when Jesus was around. God is dealing in the present tense. He's saying, I'll give you my Holy Spirit. You know, today, today you can experience my Holy Spirit. Uh, today you can experience my presence. And, you know, in some ways, uh, I think, uh, this is probably a bad analogy, but it's, it's like we've got a battery inside us, which is the Holy Spirit. And that battery just, like, runs flat. You know, and we're like, we need to recharge. We need to, like, God, I need you to fill me again. I need your, your presence again and again and again. And, and uh, you shouldn't be ashamed about coming forward and getting prayer and asking God to fill you. And you shouldn't have to worry about, God, I want to experience your love. I, I want to experience you. People will gladly pray for you as part of our, our team. But first, uh, the second to last fill in the blank, the presence of God should be experienced individually. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, in you, and was given to you by God? I mean, God is, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is present in us. It's not like some distant thing. We can connect with God. He's given us a small measure. But I'm telling you, charge that battery. Get more of it. Like, enlarge your tent. Allow more of the Spirit to come in. Uh, I've got to tell this quick joke before we, we wrap it up here. So this pastor, Massachusetts pastor, he was going to visit a parishioner, and he didn't like give him advance warning. He just kind of showed up. Yeah, sometimes I do that. I, I hate to tell you that. Uh, uh, so he gets uh, the, the guy's like smoking marijuana. There's a good big cloud there, and he's, he's, he's on a good high. And so the pastor says to him, he says, like, you know, how are you doing? Uh, so he said, no, I'm doing great. I'm like, you know, enjoying myself. I'm enjoying this joint. And so uh, so pastor, well, you know, that's not, like, that's not really so good. And the guy's like, Hey, come on, Pastor, get with it, man. It's Massachusetts, 2015. I mean, it's legal. And the pastor, yeah, well, it might be legal, but it's not moral. You shouldn't be like doing this stuff. He says, No, 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 no. God told me it's okay. And the pastor, Really? God told you it's okay. Okay, like, how did God tell you it's okay? He says, Well, I was doing my daily daily devotions, you know, and and the way I do my devotions, I just like open the Bible and I stick my finger in and I uh, write this verse. It says. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? And the pastor's like, yeah, okay, so your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Like, how does that allow you to start smoking? He says, oh, no, no, no. no. Then, you know, I wasn't finished with my devotions because I'm a devout, devout kind of a guy. So I stuck my finger in the Bible again and it went to Revelation chapter 15, 8. And it says, uh, there the temple was filled with the presence of God and the smoke just filled the temple. And so I'm like, Hey. Oh, okay, bad joke. All right, Bad joke. But let me finish off the last verse then. Uh, we should experience the presence of God as church together. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Uh, I mean, there's a sense where God is in us individually. There's a sense where God is in us collectively. There's a sense of, you know, we can desire more of God, and, uh, and that's exactly what we should do. So uh, why don't you stand, and let's just worship, and, and, you know, as we do that, why don't we just ask God, like, God, I, I, I'm hungry. I, I need more of you. I want your presence. God, speak to me even as we worship you. 
and you know, uh, come forward for prayer afterwards and say, God, fill me. I, I, I'm just flat. My battery's run out. So God, I just uh, lift up as time as we worship. Uh, Lord, allow us to connect with you. Lord, allow us to hear your voice. Uh, speak to us. We thank you, Jesus, for what it is that you are doing in our lives. Amen.